Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Jamil Owens. Jamil is the host and creator of The Awesome Show, a co-host of The Ben and Jay Show, and an all-around public server. As the father of a 12-year-old boy with autism, Jamil encourages other fathers to open up about their feelings regarding their children's diagnoses. In today's conversation, Jamil shares what it was like to learn about his son's autism, how he's evolved as a father, and what his son has taught him about life. He describes the challenges of raising an autistic child in the Black community and offers possible solutions that could help improve communication between law enforcement and families impacted by disabilities. In this episode, discover what's possible when love transforms grief into acceptance. For more information about Jamil and his work, please visit AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. And now, I present you, Jamil Owens. Hi, Jamil. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm blessed and very appreciative to be on such an amazing platform as yours. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, uh, the average man that I am, I'm, I'm Jamil Owens. A lot of people call me Mill, Jay, whatever is comfortable for everyone to call me. I'm a 38-year-old awesome dad. I don't really like to use the word autism too much when describing our awesome children and individuals who are on the spectrum, so I use the uh, word awesome. A couple things about me. I'm an author within the Autism Parenting Magazine. I, I had an article published two times. You can always look at those articles that I have. One more important factor is that I'm a husband in today's society. It is very, very frowned upon because of so many things that are going on. But this is a key part of who I am. I'm an advocate for my son, something that I emphasize not only for everybody that's going through this, but also those individuals outside of the community. I'm an advocate for just people who can't quite get the words in order to speak up for their child or others that they love that are on the spectrum. I'm a volunteer firefighter here in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. Just another way for me to give back and serve my community. Ex-corrections officer, so law enforcement is actually in that post and creator of what is called The Awesome Show. And what this is, is a platform for fathers of those awesome children to actually speak when it comes down to feelings uh, depression, anger, everything that has to do with the diagnosis of autism. And also shout out to my co-host, uh, Ben Hartrap. I am a co-host of a show called The Ben and Jay Show, which is through a nonprofit called Access Services. Shout out to my staff over at Access Services. And what we do and what we have been doing is in the midst of COVID-19 is allowing our uh, awesome families within the community to let them know that we have not forgotten them in the midst of such tragic times. So in a nutshell, I am a public servant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. Thank you. Awesome. 
Yeah, we'll talk more about your shows and the work that you're doing later on in this conversation. First, let's start with your son. Tell us about Shane. Shane is an amazing 12-year-old boy that basically pushes me to be better as a, a man and as a father. He's rambunctious. He's joyful. He's the type that really just want to make sure that everyone is being taken care of. Everyone has a smile on their face and that they know that he loves them is the most important thing. He's a lover of structure, as so many of our awesome children are, but he is very, very articulate in the way he actually speaks, how he introduces himself to others. He loves trains, simply loves trains, everything about trains. He is a, a historian of trains already at the age of 12 and um, just a happy, upbeat child. I've never experienced someone with so much raw emotion of happiness before in my life. Cool. What was it like for you to find out about Shane's diagnosis? It was hard. And this is one of the reasons why I started the awesome show. I, I remember there was a lot of feeling of uh, a failure. And this came from, you know, just the, the plight out in the world of that men as men, we must produce and our offspring must be strong, if not stronger than what we are. And, you know, getting that diagnosis initially was a, a blow to my ego. It was something that I did not know how to grasp. I didn't understand. And as many of you uh, also parents already know, when doctors, you know, back a couple of years ago, when they gave us the diagnosis, it was just it. It was, hey, your child got autism and um, here go some services. Good luck. That was it. How old was Shane at that time? Shane was three. He was three when he was diagnosed on the spectrum, just as many parents have found that the age of their child has started to develop some signs of being on the spectrum and having them diagnosed. It was a, it was a blow. It, it really was a blow to, I think more personally me, which we have to separate ourselves as men from that because it now deals solely with the child. We are the support for the child. So it, it, it was a crusher. It was something mm -hmm. that was very, very hard to deal with. And how was your reaction different from Shane's mom's reaction? Oh, <laughs> very different. I think a lot of people already know, but if you don't know, is that women tend to take this information, this news, a little bit more, I'm going to use the word uh, positive. And what I mean by that is that they're like, okay, my son has this, my daughter has this, though I may not agree with you right now. I'm going to find the treatments and everything necessary to make sure that my child would be okay straight from the door. What happens is that we we go through the transition as men of processing this and our own feelings. Then what slowly happens, what happened with me is we switch roles. The women and I, I could be wrong, but this is from my personal uh, perspective and standpoint is his mother Later on, after finding out all the information and, and speaking about it and vitamins and supplements, anything to do to actually help him in therapies, then began to deal with her own personal issues. So it was more or less she put our son in the forefront while I was putting myself on the forefront. So our, our views were totally different when uh, our son Shane was first diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And how did the way that you processed his diagnosis affect your relationship with him? 
going to be, you know, the utmost transparent with you is quite honestly, I, I wanted that reset button. I wanted that button to sit there and say, hey, you know what? This is not this is not right, God. What you did to me is, is not right. I don't deserve this. I deserve a child that's healthy. That's that's just regular, uh, you know, quote unquote regular, you know, and, 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 and doesn't have any of these disabilities. And I wanted to leave. Mm. I, I, I really wanted to leave. Um, it, ooh. <laughs> it was very it was very, 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 very hard for me to understand why. I am having a child uh, as awesome as my son, Shane. But that goes back to really the beginning of my life. So just to give you another piece of me of who I am, I am actually disabled myself. I have what is a medical ailment on my right leg, which is called an AV fistula. So I have been gawked. I have been ridiculed. I have been uh, looked at and, and, all, and looked in awe by adults and kids my entire life which affected me. It was not only until I sat down and really realized what I've been through, what my purpose, part of my purpose was with Shane being in my life, not only to receive his diagnosis and understand who he is, his love and how he does things, but also too, to show him what he can actually do and what he can actually be in life. Don't let anything stop him. Mm, yeah. So how did you eventually overcome those feelings? Was there some kind of shifting point? There was a shifting point, unfortunately. Let's just point out a couple of things is that the CDC currently states that divorce rates within families that have children on the spectrum or disabilities in general is at a actually low keel number. A lot of people speculate that it's in the 90 percentile, the 80 percentile. There is a unknown amount of factors that go into a divorce when it comes to children that's on the spectrum. That was the pivotal point for me when it came to a point where I couldn't be that leader, that motivator, that guidance, that that loving husband, that loving father to my child. Unfortunately, me and uh, my son's mother became a statistic and that called for a divorce. At my lowest, what I found, which is really important, and I try to push that amongst men, really everybody, the first thing is find a spiritual ground. I was at my lowest point in life. I, I, I was, you know, totally ambiguous with what I wanted at the time. I was only for myself. I wasn't for anybody else. I was angry at the world, angry at God. I was angry at my then wife pointing fingers at her, I was at my lowest. And it came at that point in time where I found God, where I found myself, where I found the love that he has for me and the angel that he set before me in the form of my son, Shane. And it, it opened my eyes to really realize what a blessing and a gift I had in front of me with my son, Shane. Now, what needed to happen was the work in my own heart in order for me to love him correctly and understand who he is as a person and who he will be as an adult. So that was that was the point. That was the pivotal point, I have to say, unfortunately, mm. was was my divorce. Mm -hmm. And how old was Shane when you and his mother got divorced? He was around six. Okay. Six, six years old. So, you know, two years after a diagnosis, 
lot of things went downhill. And I really, really want people, especially men, to understand families. I want, I want both sides of the family, everybody to listen to this. It's a team effort when it comes down to that diagnosis. As soon as you get that diagnosis and as soon as you walk out that office, you guys are a team, your teammates. You know, you are husband and wife, but you are teammates now. And your main goal is that child. How are you going to attack this? Everybody needs to place ego and feelings to the side. You need to really focus on what's going to happen next for this child. You know, and everything has to be fast forward, gun ho, no holds bar, everything we possibly do for this child. Mm -hmm. So looking back on your son's early years, what would you have done differently exactly? Uh, <laughs> whew, I, where, where could I start? Where could I start? I think people need to hear this first, Rachel, is that I want everybody to understand you guys are amazing. You're doing an awesome job. Most importantly, I love you. Your children love you. God loves you. Your child is placed into your life for a very, very certain reason, and that is to grow you. Me, I wish. I would have realized the importance of me being active in understanding what autism was early, right from the gate. As soon as his mom got on, you know, research and, and finding uh, different uh, vitamins and, and studies about vaccinations and things like that, I wish I would have got out of my own head, out of my own mind and really put forth the effort to match her strength match her speed, match her, her motherly instinct. I wish I would have stepped up a little bit faster to actually do that. And, and that's why I, I, I call out men. Listen, it's time to stop being boys and really start being those leaders, those motivators, you know, those speakers of our community and really step out and really take the reins on this. You know, I can't do this alone and I'm not going to be here forever, you know. So hopefully, you know, with someone seeing this and hearing my voice and Seeing me wherever I may be, it will actually convince someone to actually step up, a man, uh, a woman, anybody to step up and really speak out more about, you know, that grassroots, that real, real life autism. You know, we live it. We I, I live it 365. You know, it's, it's not something that's only one month out of the year. So be active, mm -hmm. be active. I wish I was active early on in my marriage. I wish I was just really gun ho about what my son needs at this time and not so much what my feelings were, you know, push my feelings to the side. Mm -hmm. How have you evolved as a father? Ooh. By the grace of God, I evolved to a point where I love everyone. And I think that's the most important aspect when it comes down to being or trying to be the best for your child or your, your children, your spouse is really understanding what love is, really understanding, and, and from my personal aspect, is a religion basis, but really understanding the love that I've received from my maker and being able to give that to people. And then looking at our awesome children and understanding this is something that's built into them naturally. Compassion, love, empathy. These are things that we we challenge ourselves every day to actually have. We go into work and we don't like a coworker and, and we have to put on a front in order to make it through the day. But these children love you. They feel as though no one can do no harm. And, and it is a gift and a curse. 
And it is something over time that that life will teach them and, and hopefully parents will teach them as well. But I, I've grown in the sense that I love everybody. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your political views. It doesn't matter anything. I show you the same love as I would show my grandmother, my mother, my father. And I think that's what's bringing me closer and closer. Well, no, I don't think. I know this is what's bringing me closer, closer into my purpose. And my purpose here is not of myself anymore. My purpose is to serve my community. My purpose is to leave that paper trail for my son to sit there and be like, you know what? I'm not going to be quiet. When he gets adult, I'm not going to be quiet about who I am as a person. I am going to speak out and I'm going to help people understand who I am and, and others that are like me. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to some of the things that you're saying about growing some compassion and empathy for others. I noticed that in myself, actually, as I got into this advocacy work, I started to understand on a deeper level that difference doesn't mean wrong mm -hmm. and that actually we should celebrate those differences. We should. And look for people's strengths instead of their weaknesses and deficits. And it's not just with people with disabilities, but just humans in general. It's amazing, Rachel. Like you're understanding this. And I want someone not to wait 30 years like myself to really understand this. We thrive off of being. You know, we get on IG, Instagram, we get on Facebook because we want to be involved. We want to be a part of something so great. We celebrate those individuals who have cancer, who have leukemia, things one month out of a year. We say, hey, you know what? You guys rock. You're awesome. We're going to we're going to dedicate a month to you. Has to be a little bit more has to be a little bit more growth inside of us. After you give someone support on Facebook and say, hey, everything's going to be okay, don't worry, I'm here for you, and you log off, their struggle continues on. Trust me, you gave them a lot of support, and I applaud anybody who does that on a day-to-day -day basis. But what more are you doing to help grow yourself, to let down the calluses of the world? And I understand it's hard. Even in the Bible, it speaks that you must guard your heart. But it doesn't mean guard your heart from everything and everybody. It's just be specific, be knowledgeable of what's out there to hurt you and what's out there to grow you. That's it. Mm -hmm. So what has your son taught you about life? Ah, never judge a book by its cover is the most old. It's one of the oldest sayings that you can actually hear. But it, it's so true. Don't judge a book. Don't judge a person by what they may look on the outside, how they may interact with you, how they may feel. Always get to know what the inner person is. Everybody has trauma in their life. Everybody has been through ups and downs. It is guaranteed in life. If we had a perfect life, trust me, it, it would probably be, you know, boring, say the least. <laughs> but we're, we're in a position where we have trials and tribulations. Shane has purposely showed me that through every single thing that I have been through where I was the wrong person, where maybe someone else was at fault, that I am still a person that can be good and will be good. And what that does, it, that, that takes us, uh, you know, unfortunately in times today, we're speaking about, you know, racial issues and other things that are plaguing this world. It's all about listening. And when you listen, you can't just listen with your ears. You got to listen with your ears, your eyes, most importantly, your heart. And you got to listen with your mouth. You got to be able to reiterate 
everything that you grasp. So when Shane started to become older and be more active and just be a boy just growing up, you know, there was times that I actually cried. I cried because I knew I was failing as a man. I was failing as a father. I was failing as a provider. And Shane would come out of his room. I don't know how he heard me because I tried to be quiet and he would give me a hug. Mm. And he would say, Daddy, it's okay. Mm-hmm. How, how could you not understand the message that was given to you right then and there at that moment? That message was basically saying, hey, you know what? Change your heart. Open up. See what I see. And that's what he's been doing. He's been showing me. He's been giving, he's given me binoculars into love. It's an amazing feeling. It's something that you get. You know what? Wealth can, can come today and go tomorrow. But love is a consistent abundance of wealth that will never leave your body. Never. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. So, Jamil, what was it like actually raising your son among the Black community? Very good question. Very good question. I think more so to unpack it, one of my main goals is to speak to the black and brown communities about autism and really get people who look just like me, who talk just like me, to really be able to be comfortable when diagnosing their children and and stepping up and advocating such as myself, which don't get me wrong, there are plenty of people who are actually doing it. And I applaud you. Thank you for for doing the trailblazing work for individuals such as myself. But we have a long way to go. I'm scared right now. I'm scared for my son in this world where we are really segregating. And this has been happening, but, you know, he's growing up now. We're segregating people by their skin color instead of where they're from ethnically. And I I think it's called ethnic experience more than race. I think people need to really just open up about different parts of the world where people are from and understand that we're all equal. Shane is not oblivious to what's going on. Unfortunately, he does see the news. He does acknowledge things that are going on in the world. And he asks me questions. He's like, oh, no, um, daddy, people are getting hurt. And you try to unpack uh, what it is for uh, someone to inflict pain or someone to hurt someone maliciously to a 12-year-old, there's not a Dr. Seuss rhyme out there that can help you. Mm. There's not a Sesame Street episode that can actually assist with this. But what I do tell him is that he always needs to treat everyone with respect. He needs to say hello when someone looks him in his eye and say hello to him. He needs to say How are you? Thank you. Please. May I? Excuse me. These are the small steps that I'm teaching him. I'm teaching him that people can be cruel, but we have to understand the reasoning why. There's a reason behind why they're so angry inside. And I think we need to try to find out what that is and combat that with love, with kindness. And I'm teaching my son more and more to be that kind person, but also to to kind of watch his back. There are going to be people that are going to take advantage of him because of his skin color, because of his condition. But more importantly, I want Shane to just be proud of who he is. He's a mixed child of African-American, Puerto Rican, and I want him to embrace his culture in both sides and both people and all people. 
So that question is a never ending question. Mm -hmm. You know, come back, come back 30 years when I'm very old and hopefully he'll take care of me very well. And we can see what the end result is, is because this is until we listen as adults, us as adults who are over our next generation, until we actually listen, get the information we need from each other and start speaking it into our families, into our children. It's going to be a long book, going to be a long read for someone to read way, way up in the future. They're going to be taking out textbooks about this, but I'm scared. I'm I'm really scared for my son right now in, in these times. And I, I never thought as a, a as a parent, as a black man, I would actually say that now it's 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 up there where, oh, I don't know if someone will love my son as much as I do when I'm going from this planet. It's literally neck and neck right now. Oh, my God. My son is of a different ethnic background. Is he going to be murdered? Is he going to be uplifted? Is he going to be not given the opportunities as another class is given? I mean, it's, it's something that we need to really come to some type of uh, resolution and fast. Right. Because the statistics are against him. I mean, not just because he's black, but also because he's autistic. Exactly. So the chances of him being approached by law enforcement are even higher than someone without either of those two identities. Exactly. And, and and it's crazy that you mentioned this and we need to talk about this. Once again, this is the listening part is that law enforcement. I want officers to understand you're coming from uh, this is coming from a person that's been in law enforcement. We appreciate what you do. You are placing your life on the line for others every single day. What I think the disconnect with the autism community, what they need to understand is that there is a different approach when it comes to our children that are on the spectrum. The teaching comes not only from a law enforcement perspective, but also it comes from the parents. So we have a due diligence to really speak to the law enforcement. We can't hold uh, hold dear to disagreements, personal feelings that we have because we, you know, we fell into the stigma that law enforcement doesn't care about black and brown people. You understand, like, we have to really teach our children, okay, when the officer approaches you, keep your hands where they can see them, state your name, and state, hey, I am on the autism spectrum. What would you like for me to do? By you acknowledging that, and with cameras that are on officers these days, you have acknowledged that you don't quite understand what they may be giving as far as commands. Also, too, that lights and sirens are very sensitive to them. So that officer has a due diligence to say, "Okay, you know what? Go back to the car, cut the lights off, maybe call in for support if he he or she feels as though they can't really handle the situation at hand. So we got a lot. We got a lot, a lot of unpacking to do all across the board. It's not just a racial thing. It's just, you know, policies and procedures. It's a lot of things when it comes to our awesome children and really everyone. Would you say that officers are getting enough training on how to deal with people with disabilities? No, no. They are definitely not getting enough training, enough real training. I'm going to make this statement. No disrespect to those individuals who are professionals, those individuals who have been doing this for years. Once again, I applaud you. You are the reason why 
individuals like me has chosen to step up. But individuals like myself, an awesome father from the black and brown community, from a urban setting, which is not really too good. We need to speak to officers, too, and say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, officers, this is what you can encounter from our children. But this is also what you're going to encounter from a parent such as myself if you get into a confrontation or a meeting with our children. Also, officers, police departments need to hold town halls to invite these parents to speak to them as far as supervisors, training officers and officers that are on a beat so they can understand from a parent standpoint. OK, I've been looking at this all wrong. I need to really be sensitive when it comes down to an individual who has been identified as being on the spectrum or an individual who has disabilities as far as cognitive learning or social distancing, different things that may arise. A perfect example is our resource officers that are in some schools that are arresting these children just off the basis that a a teacher can't control them. Mm-hmm. A teacher can't control them. And a resource officer is advised by the teacher, hey, this child is out of control. I can't control them. The officer comes in, thinks the child is just being deliberately uh, just disobedient and, and placing cuffs. Can you imagine getting a call from your school saying, hey, your six year old daughter or son was placed in cuffs and put into a holding? Can you imagine that? It's happening today. If you go on YouTube and you look it up, it's happening today. One of the most acts that I want you to really look up, and this is for the general audience, is what is called the Baker Act. And this is an act that is implemented down Florida, but it is implemented in every other state, just under a different name, that gives law enforcement, judicial agencies, or someone within control as far as a teacher, the ability to hold a individual without their consent. So this is basically a law and it's an act. Hey, let's Baker Act. Hmm. They will come down there. They will put your child in handcuffs. They will question your child, which is which is not right. And they will detain. The Baker Act allows a, a individual in law enforcement to detain a individual which they see is not competent as far as mentally to basically represent themselves. That falls in line with children that are on the spectrum, unfortunately, because if you're dealing with children who are on the spectrum, a lot of times they do have issues with social interaction, communication, eye contact, things of those nature. If they have a sensory issue when it comes down to noises, the officer's radio. Mm-hmm. It could be so many things that would trigger them off. They will be non-compliant with an officer and an officer sees this and doesn't have the correct training. As far as our awesome children, they will see that as being combative and they will place the cuffs on your child. Wow. This is a dangerous line. Mm-hmm. And this goes outside the classroom also to onto the streets for our older individuals that are on the spectrum. It's dangerous. Yeah. And then they get taken to the station and maybe pressured into admitting that they've committed a crime, which they haven't, just because they want to get out of that situation or they just want to please the officer. That's absolutely correct. Just bringing awareness to cases like Matthew Russian. Right. 
And he is a brilliant autistic African-American young man who was sentenced to a very, very unjust 50 years in prison. 40 of them was taken off and he is now serving 10 years in prison for situations such as that. You know, I don't want to go too in depth with it because it is a lot of different aspects and components to it. But please read up on on Matthew Russian and individuals who are like Matthew Russian. Who, who may be of different race because there are individuals like that who are being arrested day by day and their rights are being thrown away because they don't understand their rights. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that both sides feed in to actually teaching our awesome children, police officers, parents, community about this interaction and why it's, it's so important. Yeah, that's a great point that we can't just expect officers to go and do the research themselves. No. Right. I want to pivot a little bit and go back to what you were saying about raising Shane among the Black community. Did you feel any kind of ostracization from the community because he's autistic, given the stigmas around having a disability within the Black community? Here's the thing that I've noticed. I'm not going to use the word problem, but this is the thing that I've noticed amongst people in general, is that what we don't understand, we fear. And what we fear, we tend to push away and characterize in their own little box. So give an example. My son Shane has a relative that lives in North Philadelphia, the very heart of North Philadelphia. The the neighborhood is really not at his best. He doesn't have a social group or circle there. And the reason why is because The kids, not only the kids, but the parents, key point, parents have to basically trickle down their knowledge, their love, their respect for individuals with disabilities to their children. They don't want to play with shame because they don't understand how he plays, how he interacts, how he relates to people. He speaks to trains. He he speaks out loud. He'll tell you history about trains, but that's his way of connecting with you. And kids, with no fault of their own, they don't understand this. So I I feel like everywhere I go, I am forced, or I should say it's, it's my duty and responsibility to let someone know, hey, just to give you a heads up, my son is on the spectrum. And that can be very discouraging as a parent because we have a hard time already placing the label of autistic on our children, even though we think is a very powerful word, word is a very positive uh, notion in society, but we don't want to do it all the time. We just want our son and our daughter just to be just like everyone else. I, I think parents are more afraid too of not allowing the community or other individuals to know, hey, my son or daughter is on the spectrum. They might need a little bit more redirecting. I can recall one of the times that I took my son indoor skydiving. Most amazing experience that anybody can have. And I'm not saying it just as a person, but if you have a son or daughter on the spectrum or an older individual, please take them there. Test their limits because my son went first on every single trial. (laughs) I was the scared one, but he went first. He was like, I'm up next, daddy. And was in there. I have video to this day for it. But I remember 
looking around at other parents and their kids. And I looked at my son and he was looking away like this as the rest of the parents and the crew was sitting this direction. And I said, oh, boy, the anxiety started to kick in. They're going to notice there's something wrong with Shane. So as much as I advocate for a beautiful autism is is everything, you know, we're awesome. I'm still a person. I'm still Mm -hmm. a parent and I, I have concerns. So I pulled the instructor to the side and I said, hey, listen, I'm not sure if you dealt with individuals on the spectrum before, but my son is on the spectrum. So you might have to really redirect them. And that's really, once again, him listening and saying, "Okay, so when we're in the tunnel, I have to take more attention to let him know how to hold his hands to give me signals and he'll understand. Well, be knows to me and the instructor, he he got everything on the first try and was <laughs> perfect with his air skydive. He even wanted to go all the way up. And I said, oh, no, you want to give daddy a heart attack. <laughs> but I do believe we, we fear what we don't know and what we don't know, unfortunately, and we're still unpacking this today as prevalent rates go up is what is autism? Mm-hmm. We're scared of people who shine bright in other areas, which we call normal. My son is a mathematician. He knows every aspect of trains, their routes, where they're from, when they were actually made. We call that weird. But I challenge people to really look at that. Are we weird or are the people who are on the spectrum weird? Mm -hmm. We battle with so many things which we can't call our own. And they own things which we lack. And we're still trying to get at. So it's crazy. We need to we need to open up a little bit more. Yeah. So there won't be a feeling like that in our communities, in our world, in the hearts of our of parents such as myself. Mm-hmm. I agree. What are some other fun activities you guys like to do together other than skydiving? Well, see, this is the thing too, Rachel. This is another blessing that he has given to me because I was that guy that did not want to do anything, that was afraid to explore outside of my neighborhood, outside of my community. If it was an area that I didn't know anybody, I wasn't going. If it wasn't anybody that looked like me in that area, I'm not going. What he has shown me is to explore something that I have never seen before. Fishing, we go fishing. I hate to be on a boat for the fear of not knowing <laughs> what is below me. I hate it. I went on a boat last week. Mm-hmm. He has opened up so many things. We've went fishing. We went hiking. I, I Listen, I'm born and bred North oh, Houston, Texas, but actually raised in North Philadelphia. I have never went hiking in my life. <laughs> I love hiking now. I love hiking, just the the nature and everything about it. I I, I love that. Mm-hmm. There's also, well, Home Depot used to do uh, some classes, some interpersonal one-on-one classes, uh, little building workshops, junior building workshops. We've experienced that together where we will make something out of wood, something that we can, like maybe a, a book holder or, or, or a letter holder or something in that nature basketball. He loves basketball. I I take him out in the court. I I shoot basketball. These are the things that 
I was that guy. I was said, yo, I will never do these things because they don't really interest me. And now I can't get enough of them because he has opened my eyes to look for new things. Oh, and don't forget those train shows. <laughs> oh, that is a must that we go to train shows. Unfortunately, they canceled everything because of COVID-19. But the last train show that I went through, I actually learned so much about what brings him joy. But not only that, to see him interact with adults and come up to adults and be like, excuse me, do you have the Chessie Steam System Special? Not the one that was built in the 1700s, but the one that was built later on in the 1850s. And this is an older gentleman who would look at me and smile and have a full-blown conversation with my son is the most amazing thing. First off, it teaches me to not be ignorant and not create barriers that do not have to be there. This was a man, a Caucasian male, and my son is an African-American and Latino little boy. And they talk about a similar love that they have and they use expressions and he looks them in his eye and he gets excited. So it teaches me as a person, not as a man, but let's just speak as a person to remove these barriers from myself and to be openly expressive with other races, with other nationalities. It pushes me to be a better person. He has done this. Mm -hmm. I have seen this, but he also says there's a whole world out there, daddy. There's a whole world out there that that you need to experience so you can give me the knowledge from that so I can do that for my children when I get older. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a list. We have so many things, so many things that we we do. And I'm, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that he opened up my heart, and my eyes to that. That's amazing. All right, Jamil, switching topics. Let's talk about the autism shows that you run. First, could you tell us more about The Awesome Show? Okay, so The Awesome Show, that's my pride and joy. That is my baby. That is one thing when I leave this planet, I, I hope that my son understands what his father was doing. What I was doing was leaving a paper trail of my growth in his life. All on camera, all over vocal, with the guests that I interview everything. It started off online. It was an online radio. It was a platform that I felt as though I needed to express. I, I had very engaging guests, which I still do. But now thanks to social media, I'm able to use IT Live. So you get a more one-on-one -on -one personal experience. I started also to the Spotify portion of the awesome show, which gives a, a little bit more in-depth and insight so you can check that out on Spotify as well. Mm -hmm. But the awesome show is really just a makeup of my growth along this journey with my son. I talked everything about relationships and it is 100% transparency. You can't love on someone without being 100% transparent. And I use that platform to really speak out about my failures. The reason why my marriage didn't work, which was me. What people need to understand when it comes down to being an awesome parent in a marriage or single, um, the guest that I had on the show was that average person, me, who I am, just the average working class father who is trying to unpack this, this community of awesomeness, as I like to say. That's what the platform was for, but also to motivate men. 
using um, I'm not going to say religious aspects, but using uplifting aspects. My understanding of my religion and, and that allows me to uplift people in, in a way that I don't even know how I do it a lot of times. And that's just that's just the God speaking through me, but allows for me to connect with them to understand that there is hope, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that the feelings that they are feeling is warranted. But we have to overcome that. So that's really what the platform was for. The platform was for the public to be able to get on a radio and and share their story. Mm -hmm. Open up, you know, get it off their chest as they feel. I have so many emails from past guests that said, oh, my God, Jamel, thank you for letting me be on your show. I was never able to speak openly about autism before until you asked me to be on your show. And to me, that's me loving on my community. That's me doing what my passion and purpose in life is. And and I'm looking to continue this until until God takes my breath. Mm-hmm. That is such important work, not only for the guests who come on your show and get to express themselves, but for the listeners too, to kind of relate to your stories and feel validated for whatever feelings they were going through, whether it's guilt or a hurt ego, like you were saying, and to just be okay with sitting with that. Mm -hmm. And from acknowledging that those feelings are even there, then moving on to healing and taking action to just be better. Yes. So can you share a story that has left you feeling inspired? (sighs) I have so many, so, so, so many, so many, so many. I'm going to share with you. We're being transparent here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share with you a personal story. Unfortunately, my mom passed away in 2014 due to cancer. She suffered from many other things, which she was absent from my life. I had three months with her. She had stage four. I had three months with her. And when I was able to find her because she was living on the streets for so long, I spent every day with her. I told my job, I'm sorry, you can do whatever you need to do, but I need to be with her. She only has three months left. I remember her saying that I want to give it my all. And the passion I've never seen. My mom was a strong woman, a strong woman. I never understood the strength of a woman unlike my mom until I actually had to realize how she was after her passing. And, you know, unfortunately, going into the second month, she realized that it it was just too strong for her. I remember going to the hospice facility and she pulled me to the side. She said, you know, sit down. She said, I want to show you something. And what she pulled out was a certificate to dedicate her life to Christ. You're talking about a woman who who lived in this world, who who, uh, basking, you know, all the greatness that this world has to offer. And a single mother at that time, raising a child with a disability, teaching him how to be strong, teaching him how to be a man. It taught me two lessons in that. The first lesson is never give up. You got to keep on pushing on until God says you can't go on no longer. Keep on pushing up. That was my first lesson. And the second one was that I'm on the right track. Her religious preference was 
non-denominational. She didn't go to church, quite frankly. Nothing. But for her to sit there and bow at the feet of who we see as our king and say, hey, I leave it to you. You take care of my life really set the tone for me as a man, because it showed me that I can't do this by myself in life. I can't do this by myself in life. So I need a religious aspect and then I need my son. And by me finding a religious aspect first to help me, it helped me appreciate what my son was doing. So now I understand I need that love for my son, which in turn made sure that I did not leave his side, which in turn made me a husband because I knew how to love a woman, which in turn makes me be on shows like yours to be able to speak out and speak openly. So you see where I'm going with it. It's yeah. a lot to unpack. I had to learn horrible lessons in life to get the motivation that I needed. And one of the motivations was unfortunately seeing my mom pass away in front of me. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you've found a purpose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Everything else is is adding on to it. You know, the firefighting, you know, just my, my average nine to five job, just working. I work in a very, very hands-on industry, construction, and I'm meeting new people every day, new personalities. But the first thing I do every time I meet somebody, regardless if I'm having a bad day or they're having a bad day, bad day. Hey, how you doing? How's your day going? The first thing, if you would have met me five years ago, Rachel, I wouldn't care how your day was. <laughs> I wouldn't care. We wouldn't even be conversating like this. But you see how much and I have to give I have to give, you know, the, the, the glory to God. But. My son, how much he opened my heart to be able to do things like this. These kids are amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And us as individuals who are, quote unquote, normal in this world, we're not normal. What, I always use this analogy. What if we're not the normal ones? What if our awesome children are the normal ones and we're the ones that are living inside a box? Did you ever think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I have. <laughs> <laughs> see, we're on the right path. See, that, that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think about all the time. But. He has, he has really opened me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know, we've set these norms in society to be what the majority would think, but that doesn't mean that it's right. Exactly. We have to progress. We have to grow. We have to learn. We have to change. We're not changing anything right now. We're, we're at the biggest stall. You think the economy is bad right now. There's a lot of hearts out here that are, are, are bad, that are bad. And in the midst of COVID-19, you should have been getting better. What I mean is that, you know, you've been removed from from employment, things that you sit there and you go in and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to be here another day. Oh, OK, great. Bang, you're furloughed. What did you learn at home about yourself, about your family, about your kids? What did you grow? Did you grow appreciation for everything that you have, how minute it might be? Or did you continue to complain just like a lot of other people who are still complaining today? What changed in you? This time wasn't a time to bring out the bad in you. This time was a time for change. There were so many different elements 
that could not be covered up anymore that was exposed in this time. So what did you learn? I'm, I'm hoping that you grew. I, I, I know I grew, but I'm looking to grow more. And I hope that everybody grew in this time. Mm-hmm. That's actually something I've been reflecting on a lot and wondering because, you know, I can definitely say that my priorities have changed as far as what I like to do in my free time and how much I value it. Exactly. And what is important anymore when you can't leave the apartment for two months, you know? So I've wondered that too about how other people are taking it because you think sometimes when there are these moments that extreme change can happen, it takes like mass mindset shift, you know, for there to actually be systemic change. Mm-hmm. So I am hoping, maybe this is just the optimist in me, but I am hoping that a lot of other people are feeling what we're feeling. I believe they are, but I also believe that they're scared. Just like those other awesome parents that are out there that just don't want to get their child diagnosed or don't want to speak about the struggles and the hardships that they face with autism. They're scared. And those feelings are warranted. There's nobody saying that you don't have the right to feel that way. But it's also the time to speak up. We are quick to sit there and skydive off a plane and and, and capture that moment on IG because we want everybody to know that we're adventurous. What are you doing to be adventurous to get the word out about your awesome child? What are you doing to be adventurous to say, hey, I do not like reading books, but I'm about to read this 400 page introduction into autism from this doctor. What are you doing to be adventurous about that? That's what I implore people to actually place themselves in. And and, and then after that, what are you doing outside of that to help you grow? You know, yep. us speaking about this right now needs to ignite a fire into somebody needs to ignite a fire into to a father that basically wrote off their child because they had a disability. Get in contact with that child. Say, I'm sorry. Start over again. That's one time you can hit that reset button. I'll allow you to hit the reset button (laughs) on that. Start over again. Mm -hmm. But it comes down to that mother who is just at their wits end, who doesn't know if she can go on another day because her child has a severe form of autism and she can't find a partner that will love her and love their child. And and it's just too much. Life is too much for her. No, you got to keep on going. You have to. Your child is teaching you so much strength of this world because he's teaching from a love that's not from this world. Remember that. Mm -hmm. All right, Jamil, before we wrap up, I do want to give you a chance to talk about your other show. The Ben and Jay Show. So how is this one different from the awesome show? First off, shout outs again to Ben and Jay, Access Services. Thank you. This show, The Ben and Jay Show, first off, I'm here to support a very good friend, a brother, a family member to me, Ben Hartrath, who was a guest on my show, The Awesome Show, along with his dad, Glenn, just to speak about a father's perspective and a son a male perspective as being an autistic himself, an awesome individual. This show that we have now, we basically open it up to try to bring the community together to let you know that there are people all over the world who are phenomenal individuals who are doing incredible things as autistics themselves, supporters, 
and people that are just family members that just want to learn more. We have had Daniel Baldwin on our show. We have had the writer directors of Disney Pixar float. We started this in the midst of COVID-19 because me and Ben wanted to give back. Access Services, a nonprofit organization, said, hey, we want to do as much as we can, you know, support wise. We don't have a lot of money, but let's let's do some things. And we're already 20 shows in, 20 shows in of, of phenomenal guests. We've had Rachel Baker. We have had Rachel Barcelona from Florida, who was Miss Florida, doing amazing things to bring awareness to just just to community and the society. We have had Juliana Featherman the CEO and creator of Making uh, Friendships. It's an app on the phone that allows our awesome children to not feel alone and connect all over the world by making friends. Come on. We're bridging the gap. And the most important thing that I want people to know and notice when they see us is you have a Caucasian 22-year-old autistic male. You have a 38 African-American parent male and we love each other like family. Mm-hmm. No boundaries. So that's what the Ben and Jay show is. You got to see us. You got to you got to log on. You got to see us. Got to support us. But you got to see us, you know, to get the full aspect of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so important these days for people to feel connected to a community and have a safe place that they can turn to for resources. It is. It is. I think. Right now, we don't have a safe place. We feel as though there's nowhere that we can call home. And, and you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you that there is. It's a religious aspect of it. And when you understand that, your home is right here. It's right here. You got it. You got to unpack it. And when you unpack it, you'll see you'll start to see so many places of home, so many pieces of home. And home could be a person. Home could be a loved one. Home could be a child. Home is our awesome children. That's where we belong at. Just remember that. Mm-hmm. All right, Jamila, I'd like to close with one last question. What advice would you give to fathers who may have just found out that their child is diagnosed with autism? Be there. Um, this is life. There's no reset button on this. Everything you think you've been doing as a father before this diagnosis is nothing compared to what you're going to go through. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be a lot of triumphs. But I can tell you that it is worth it in the end. You are not alone. What you are, you are an amazing, strong individual. God placed something in your life because he wants you to be stronger. And this is the individual who will help mold you, that awesome child, that beautiful, awesome child. But it's going to take 1,000% from you in order to make that happen and to make that visual for yourself, for your family, and most importantly, for that child. Don't give up. If you need help, I'll give you my cell phone number. I'll give you my email address. Contact me. Because transparency is key. I'm open to you and everything you tell me is quiet as cat. You are not alone. Brothers, sisters, anybody, you are not alone. All right. I love you guys. I definitely do love you guys. That's wonderful, Jamil. I really appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable because that's really where the magic happens. 
I'm sure you've noticed that when you open up and like you say, you're transparent with other people, they feel like you're being real and authentic with them. And then they can in turn open up to you. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your stories with us. Thank you. Where can people find out more information about you? Follow me, please, on Facebook at The Awesome Show. That's T-H-E-A-U-S-O-M-E-S-H-O-W, just like show. Um, On IG is all one word, T-H-E-A-U-S-O-M-E. Also, if you need to send me an email, The Awesome Show. Mm Mm-hmm. At gmail.com. That's T-H-E-A-U-S-O-M-E-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Check us out every Friday, the Ben and Jay show. And and listen, I love you guys. Please contact me if you need to talk, if you want to learn more. You are not in this alone. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Perfect. Thanks, Jamil. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. It's very common for some parents of children with disabilities to experience cycles of grief intermittently throughout their lives. They're grieving the child they expected to have and letting go of the hopes and dreams they had imagined for their future. After a diagnosis, parents may feel powerful emotions such as guilt, resentment, and shame. According to the psychiatrist who pioneered the work in understanding grief, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, its five stages include denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Given that no two people grieve in the same way, these stages are not necessarily experienced in the same order. Some individuals may even regress to stages they had seemingly moved on from years after their loss. Jamil's story is an example of how parents can practice self-compassion. By acknowledging and accepting his feelings, Jamil was able to overcome his anger and depression. He educated himself about autism and focused on ways to appreciate the amazing child that is in his life, rather than longing for the child that could have been. He also listened to autistic adults to understand what his son may be going through. Once Jamil accepted Shane's autism, he started seeing the world from his son's eyes and heart. He even found purpose in helping other parents reach a new understanding of love and realize that they are not alone. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.